Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The day is here. It's Christmas Day, December 25th. And as promised, we're bringing back one of our favorites. In fact, she was the very first episode for the Culture Soup podcast. I'm talking about the Queen of Soul's favorite soprano, Audrey Dubois Harris. So this is how today's episode will work. While you were opening presents, clinking your cocoa mugs or drinking your spiked eggnog or not spiked. We are going to listen to Audrey Dubois Harris's thoughts on inclusion in the opera, which is where we left off the last time. Then we are going to step through some of the tracks on Audrey's new project for Christmas, Joy to the World. I had the honor of having the artists themselves listen to the track while I was listening to and give me some some tips and insights on what was going on. Oh, it was so amazing. So she and I will talk about a couple of the selections, maybe even three from her new project. Then after we talk about some other things, when we wrap, we will announce the winner of the free autograph CD from Audrey herself. So as always, some great conversation and some goodies at the end. Without further ado, here is Audrey Dubois Harris. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to have you back. You know, we're excited because your Christmas CD has dropped. Yes. And, and by the time this is aired, you know, it's Christmas Day today. So Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you <laughs> and to all who are listening. Yes. yes, absolutely. By the time this airs, you would have been um, doing all sorts of media interviews and appearances and such. I saw snippets of Sister Circle. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, um, you did an awesome job. And um, I'm very excited um, to talk about your CD um, and the music that's out there. And what day did it drop? It was in November, right? Actually, it was November 23rd. Uh, Okay. Yeah, November 23rd. Mm -hmm. The the day after Thanksgiving, your album drops. And there's so much excitement around it. Tell me how people have responded, especially since you've gotten this um, kind of a a new wind beneath your wing um, since we saw you on the national stage that day. Mm, Well, I've been really just uh, blessed and so thankful for all of the love coming my way. People are really excited about the project, and uh, they have really just uh, been a great support. You know, I've I've received so many messages, uh, so many posts, and even private messages of people uh, showing their downloads. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Really appreciate that. And um, people also letting me know that they absolutely love the project. So that warms my heart and tells me, you know, to keep putting that music out there. Excellent. Well, we talked a bit about 
what the album is like the last time you were on and you told us to expect something different. (laughs) And I've been able to preview a few tracks and you know what, Audrey, they are amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. So let's talk about the one that's your favorite. Mm. Well, my favorite track, and it's hard to pick a favorite because I am a Christmas girl. (laughs) You know, I just love all the carols. Whenever I hear them, I just, oh, it just, I come alive. I really do. But uh, uh, for me, my favorite is Little Drummer Boy. Mm. It really is. Uh, That's not my favorite carol but that's my favorite on this project and um i just love all of the different elements that are added to uh to that track and to that record and so um we've got surprises for the listener it is totally unexpected and uh you know i just can't wait for for people to hear the track and hear hear the music and what we worked on absolutely um, well you know i listened a bit and i heard several different flavors yeah the first flavor i recognized was a little r&b oh did you did you think r&b yeah it has a groove to it how would you describe it well i i kind of call it um I like the elements of jazz that's mm-hmm. in it. I love the um, I love the emphasis on the drums. You know, of course, uh, referencing the title "Little Drummer Boy," and um, I really wanted to have a track that uh, um, that really just expose that that drum work you yeah. know and so um you know i don't want to give too much to right. the listener because then <laughs> they're gonna say oh we are we're already prepared for this so i don't want to yes. prepare them too much for it but there are a few surprises in that um that song so i'm really excited about it yeah absolutely jazz flavors too and for those jazz aficionados out there it Probably the kind of jazz you might hear in New Orleans, right? Yeah, I would say that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's definitely a toe tapper, and I can't wait for my little girl Joni to hear it because she's going to be dancing all over the place. Yes, yes, you should should tape it and send it to me. I think I will. I think (laughs) I will. And then, let's see, um, the opening track is amazing. Mm. And you were talking to me about how you opened it in a way that really sets the stage for how you, you know, think of the Christmas story. That's right. I view Christmas, of course. I love the shopping. I love uh, the lights. I love the decorations, the singing, and all of that. But first and foremost, for me, Christmas is about Christ. It is. Mm. He is the reason for the season. And um, I opened the the project with the first word that you hear me say is rejoice Mm. and um, wanted that to be what echoes throughout the entire project. And so, um, you know, he has come and because of his life, because of his, his sacrifice, we are all made better. We are all, uh, we've all been granted the gift of eternal life. And so I wanted to have that resonate throughout the entire project. Amen. So have you sung any of these cuts other places yet? Um, I know you sang in, sang one on Sister Circle. I sang two, actually. I okay. sang, um, uh, I think the first one was um, Joy to the World. Mm-hmm. And then I 
actually, I was only supposed to sing one on Sister Circle, but after <laughs> I sang that first one, they said, can you give us a second one? So, of course, uh, I ended the show with uh, Oh Holy Night. Oh, that's and so, awesome. And that is my favorite uh, carol of all time. Oh, oh Holy. okay. Yes. Oh Holy Night. What comes in a close second, just as your all-time favorite? Oh Come, Oh Come, Emmanuel, actually. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Yep. Well, yes. that's perfect that you would start out the album with that. Yes, yes, that's right. And I end the album with um, uh, Jesus, the light of the world. I end mm-hmm. my, my singing portion because actually my daughter ends the album with her uh, playing. She plays the piano on there. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, yes, and she does her own arrangement. And uh, I thought it would be so special to have her on there. But I end my portion of the album with uh, Jesus, the light of the world. Mm-hmm. And that song is dedicated in the memory and the honor of um, Aretha Franklin. Oh, I love that. You know, when yes. you said Jesus, the light of the world, the first thing I thought of was the Baptist church where I grew up. Oh, that's right. That was one of our tunes. Of course. I haven't heard this cut on your album yet. Does it have gospel flavors? Can you describe it? It absolutely does, and it uh, it's with the tambourine. My daughter is playing the tambourine. Oh, I love it! There. I love yes. it. So it was definitely a family affair, uh, and there is the organ and um, uh, and the piano, and so um, and also we have a saxophone in there as well. And yeah. so, um, but it gives that gospel feel. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in the Baptist church as well, mm-hmm. and so. Um, we give you that Baptist feel. You Look, know. if you got a good Hammond organ in there, you're doing all right. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. You got to have the Hammond. That's yes, right. You got to have absolutely. that in there. I got to listen to What Child Is This? And so many people have done this song, but yes. I've never heard it quite like this. Mm. You want to talk about it? Well, I'm so glad, first of all, that you said you've never heard it quite that way. And that's what I wanted to present with this project, Joy to the World, a Christmas celebration. I wanted to present these carols that we absolutely love and we're familiar with, have grown up singing them. But I wanted to present them in a completely fresh and different way. And so What Child Is This is presented with a Latin feel. It, mm. it, it takes you right into the heart of just um, a Latin quarter and uh, hearing a, a guitar player just playing on any corner, you would hear that. And so um, it just brings you right into that uh, feel of um, what child is this, you right. know. And, you know, just before we came on, we were talking about juxtaposing this English, old English yes. hymn with mm-hmm. Latin flavors, which is yes. amazing. It's so different. That's right. That's and you right. just don't know what you're in for until you hear it. Yes, yes, yes. And um, there are a few surprises in that uh, selection as well, all the way till the end. Um, and kind of do something. Well, it's so so funny because um, the guitar player and I, we kind of bounce around from each other and we kind of do a call and response actually. Mm. And so, um, it's, uh, it's really interesting because it's an English folk song, Mm -hmm. um, with, uh, with Latin flavors that's now giving you the black church experience of call and response. So, uh, and then layer in there a lullaby. 
That's right. And there is that lullaby because I am singing what about what child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping. So we have to we've got a, a, a lullaby that baby and make sure that baby is sleeping well, you know, because well, he's I tell you, this is my new favorite version of what child is this? Oh, I love that. And Thank guess you. what comes in second? What's that? The pentatonics. Oh, wow. Yes, well, they thank do an you. acapella version. Yes. I'm sure you've heard it. Yes, and I have. about two years ago, maybe three, they oh, released yes. it and just, I mean, they knocked me out. Of course. <laughs> They're awesome. They really are. They yes, really are but special. this is my new favorite. I'm saying wow. that because I want my listeners to pick up on it because it really, it really is amazing. That's wonderful. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. So we're looking forward to all of my Culture Soup listeners downloading Audrey's um, album. Congratulations to our winner for the giveaway. Yeah. And, you know, if you haven't picked it up, we know it's on Amazon. It's That's also right. where else? It's on iTunes, anywhere where you, where you can download music. So it's on iTunes, Amazon, and uh, I believe Google Play as well. So just look out for it, type it up if you don't see it. Uh, where you usually uh, stream music because it's not for streaming. It's for download only. Mm -hmm. So uh, be sure to uh, look out for it and, um, and pick it up, and hopefully it'll fill your, the air of your home, your car, wherever you are uh, with the Christmas cheer. Yes, and, you know, Audrey, thank you for sharing your gift with the world. It's mm. amazing. Well, thank you, world, for receiving my <laughs> gift. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're happy to receive it here at the Culture Soup Podcast. I wanted to revisit a conversation we started to have the last time, and we're going to continue the conversation about inclusion in the opera, and you kind of have one foot in classical, you kind of have one foot in opera too, because you've sung Puccini, and you've sung some of the other great um, operas as well. Oh yeah. So you have a real point of view, but talk to us about some of the opera that you've done in the past. Oh, well, I've sung uh, quite a bit of Puccini. I've done um, La Boheme, of course. Um, I've done Tosca. I've done um, uh, a Verdi, of course, um, La Traviata. I've done um, quite a bit. Of course, I've done Porgy and Bess. Mm -hmm. um, I've done a tour of that. Porgy and Bess and, is one of my faves. Oh, yes. It's a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. It really is. Um, and then, of course, Mozart, um, the magic, uh, the Nozze di Figaro, the marriage of Figaro. Right. Um, I've done uh, Così Fan Tutte. Uh, so, so many, so, so many. many. And yes, and opera is my foundation. It, well, singing at church was that, that sure. root for me. Right. But then... Um, as my career blossomed, actually, I was the youngest member of the Florida Grand Opera when I was in high school. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, so it was pretty cool getting a check yes. <laughs> while I was still in high school. Um, and uh, so opera is where I have uh, cultivated and, and, and um, really worked on my gift, you know. Yeah. And so from there... It just, um, that's what I did for many, many years only. And um, then it was time, I believe, to stretch my gift even further. Mm -hmm. And because I, as an artist, 
um, I always want to showcase who I am as an individual and who I am as a person. And so there were so many other things that I wanted to say with my gift, so many other things, so many other ways that I wanted to share and express my gift. And that's what you're hearing now with uh, these different flavors and these different uh, genres that I mix in with my classical singing. But um, what I would say about opera is that um, it will always be a special, always have a special uh, part of my heart and, um, and a place in my life, of course, that story of who I am and how mm -hmm. I became to be who I am. And so, um, That's yeah. awesome. Well, you know, I was in L.A. back in October for the fall board meeting of Opera America and yes. talked about the accessibility of the genre mm -hmm. and how that can sometimes cause barriers to people who may actually like the art form, but they're just not able or they don't feel that they can access it. Um, mm -hmm. We sat through the LA Opera's Satyagraha, which mm -hmm. was interesting because I, I'd never seen it before. It was fascinating, but wasn't fascinating, it? Fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, one, because of the huge puppets. I mean, these mm -hmm. huge puppets that were on the stage. But I think mostly to me, I was impressed with how that story weaves in themes of freedom and yes. um, Gandhi's story. And then you mm -hmm. see shadows of MLK mm -hmm. in the story. And, you know, later on that next day, I had a conversation with Mark Skorka, the CEO of Opera America, which is in bonus episode one for yes. my listeners out there. You want to revisit that if you um, want to. And those of you who haven't listened, you need to download that one. It's a really good one. But we talked about how people uh, don't feel like they belong. And that's something that they're trying to conquer. And there were little things that the L.A. Opera did that night that I picked up on that I thought were just great. One of which was the announcer at the beginning, which most of us would call the voice of God mm -hmm. was actually female. Mm. And I never heard that before. It's typically big booming male voice and you know, nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But in some cases it might be a, um, a British accent, which kind of, you know, elevates it even more. And they tell you what you can't do. Right. You mm -hmm. can't turn off your phones, you know, uh, silence your cell phones and don't unravel your wrappers, your candy wrappers. And then mm -hmm. they'll say, have a nice time. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and this announcement was totally different. One, because they didn't tell us to silence our cell phones. They told us, well, to, t to turn them off. They told us to silence them. But then they gave us a hashtag to use, mm -hmm. which I thought was awesome because my community on social media may or may not be um, all in with opera or they haven't mm -hmm. been exposed to it. But when I put those images up of Satyagraha, mm -hmm. my following went wild. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they weren't all opera goers. Mm -hmm. They were mm -hmm. intrigued. What do you think about making the opera more accessible? I think it's easier than uh, some of the opera companies uh, are trying to make it seem. Mm -hmm. And um, the the quickest way to make it more accessible is to have representation. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is when people see themselves in the productions, they will flock to those productions. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's, I think, 
opera needs to represent the world that we live in. You know, this present day world is a day of, uh, it, it's a place of um, just uh, inclusion of all people. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at the recent elections, you know, you have the first black woman elected to Congress mm -hmm. from Massachusetts, uh, Ayanna Presley, and you have the first, um, uh, the first ever Somali American uh, elected to Congress yes. and uh, Ilhan Omar, I believe her name is. And then you have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from, um, from New York, and she's actually 29 years old uh, from the Bronx. And so on and on, you have all of these different representations of us, you know, yes. and so when you when I can see myself on that stage, then I can relate to what's happening on that stage. But if that stage only reflects one demographic right. and one group, then, of course, that wall, that barrier will continuously be there. Absolutely. And of course, there are there are wonderful companies who are doing that. So I'm not saying that the all of the companies in general mm -hmm. are not doing that. But I believe all of the companies should unite. All of the heads of those companies should come together and make it a conscious effort to represent the world, the present day world that mm -hmm. we live in. You know, and I, mm -hmm. go ahead, go ahead. And I, I just feel that step alone, not to saying that, not to say that that's the only step that needs to be taken, but that step alone will open up uh, the, the, the difference of those who come in, you know, it'll, it'll make the difference for those who will now be interested and say, I want to go because yeah, you know, it's kind of like when black Panther yes. came on and um, it, it shattered records because people saw themselves and not only did they go, but they made it a, a movement. They went dressed in garb, they, yes. you know, authentic garb. And they, they actually related with the experience of, um, of that black Panther, uh, um, showcase. And so that's what needs to happen in opera, not only with African-Americans, but yes. with our Latino brothers and sisters, yes. with our Native American brothers mm -hmm. and sisters, with our um, Asian brothers and sisters. It's got to represent the world, you know. Absolutely. And uh, the world is not only one demographic. And until they change that and until they make a conscious decision to change that, it will the numbers will continuously decline. Absolutely. Well, and you know, um, there is data that supports this. And it's not just for the operas, for any businesses out there trying to survive, right? Yes. So, yes, that's right. <clears throat> that's right. You know, I, I tell people all the time, and I've spoken about this, the word minority is, is dated, and I, I don't even use it anymore. And the reason is because the numbers support it. My daughter and your daughter are members of Generation Z, or they're called Centennials. Yes. And that means that they are somewhere between the ages of four and 20, something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The first baby that was born in Gen Z was born in 2012, which is the same year my little baby, Joni, was born. Mm. And in 2012, one in every two babies born was a baby of color. Mm. So they're already not in the minority anymore. 
That's right. That's right. And then if you add on top of that, millennials, which are what folks call Generation Y, Mm-hmm. That's the generation before Gen Z. Yes. The oldest uh, adult uh, millennial is probably almost 40. Mm-hmm. And they are the most multicultural adult generation out there. So it, this is adding up, <laughs> right? Absolutely. And it's, and it's mm-hmm. going to, and this is the way that the world is progressing, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, it, it gets to the point where it has to, opera has to reflect what's going on in the world. Yes. It, has to, it has to say that not only should it reflect it, but also say that our stories matter. Yes. Our stories are important, you know. Mm-hmm. Our stories need to be told and need to be seen by uh, these by these different groups. Of course, the operatic group, the operatic world needs to experience what it's like to, uh, you know, they need to experience Mandela's story. They need to experience uh, Martin Luther King's story, Mm -hmm. but they also need to experience even stories that of, of history that's being made even today, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, it has to reflect all that's uh, all that this world encompasses and all that this world is about, you know. And, and inclusion mm-hmm. isn't exclusive. You know, there are folks that would shudder at the fact that, okay, if we're telling, quote, their stories, where do I fit in? But I think Satyagraha is a great example of how that story was about a universal theme. Everybody can relate to. Uh, the idea of your freedom maybe being taken away. Absolutely. And it's, and, and I think once we remove the fear Mm -hmm. of saying, if I can celebrate someone else, then that means my story won't be told. That's a fear. And that's, that's an, an unsubstantiated fear, you know? Um, So really once we remove that, ideology that I can't celebrate someone else because that takes away from the light being reflected on my life. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's even a personal and, and uh, a great lesson for life is as well is that I can celebrate everybody's journey, everyone's life and everyone's story and celebrate my own. Totally. Well, And and when you open yourself up to listen to someone's story, chances are that you'll start to hear similarities that it that's what it's about that is where our humanity kicks in mm-hmm. you know we are more alike than different you know we are all actually the same we're connected you know right and so i can see myself in you and hopefully you can see yourself in me right you know it's not that i am above someone else or beneath someone else too, you know, or someone else is above me or beneath me, but we are all connected. And in our connectedness, that's where we rise higher. That's where our humanity can now shine a light unto this world. Yes. And, you know, music is one of those cultural um, things that binds us And we find out that we're more the same. You know what, um, Audrey, just this year, Nielsen released for the first time, or maybe it was 2017, they released for the first time 
streaming music data. Because mm. Pandora and Spotify and iTunes, they all reported for the first time. And they were able to share which music genres were the most agreed upon. In other words, if you want to unify people in a room and say, okay, what does everybody want to hear? If they raise their hands, they would say X, Y, and Z. And they found that R&B and hip hop is the most agreed upon genre. Okay. I'm not shocked by this. I think Mm -hmm. we knew it anecdotally. We knew it because we have friends who may not be African-American like hip hop or, Mm -hmm. you know, they're listening to Mary J. Blige. They're listening to these American art forms, Mm -hmm. right? These Mm -hmm. were the genres that were born here. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And um, I have the very great privilege of meeting with in the next couple of weeks, Dr. Henry Louis Gates Mm, for a project that I'm doing with, with my company. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he has, um, not just a theory, he's proved it out. The human genome makes us all the same. So ultimately, you know, through his show, finding your roots, he's able to, with the help of genealogists, trace people's genealogy back all the way to, you know, common roots. Mm -hmm. And what he's found is that we have more in common than we do differences. And I think sometimes that music shows that in what um, our likes and dislikes are when it comes to music. And I know that Spotify, no, it was Pandora. They've mapped the music genome. (laughs) So just like we're talking about what child is this and how it has this Latin flavors and then you'll hear a little lullaby and mm-hmm. you might hear a little um, of, of another type of influence. They have mapped the DNA of music and they have been able to um, trace people's likes and dislikes based on the music that they listen to. Mm-hmm. So I think there's something there's something here with albums like yours that are mixing flavors that are what we would say in the diversity and inclusion realm, intersectional. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that you will find that more people will listen to the music when you kind of layer it with different themes. Do you agree? I agree because there may be something and, and there will be different things that will connect with different people. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for some, it may be, my classical singing that may connect them. Mm-hmm. But then for, for others, they may hear that Latin feel and say, ah, I really like that. Or it may hear the Caribbean groove that I have as well. I have a track with the Caribbean groove awesome. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may hear that and say, ah, I like that, you know, or they may hear the drums on what, uh, on um, Little Drummer Boy and uh, connect with that or the jazz in Lincoln, Little Drummer Boy and connect with that as mm-hmm. well. So there are different things that will connect with different people and not everything uh, speaks to all people. And I understand that, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not about it saying the same thing. It's kind of like when you go to an art gallery, you go to a museum, uh, the paintings there and the artwork there will speak differently to everyone that, that's, that uh, experiences those, um, the artwork, uh, the various artworks that are there. And so um, for, for one, the same painting may, may bring 
an abundance of peace. And then to another person, that very same painting may, may bring a feeling, an overwhelming feeling of fear, you know, or of love or whatever it is. And so that's the, I think that's the beauty of art, including music in that as well, when I say art. Right. And so that is the beauty of art, that it's not a unified message, you know, it's just, you put it out there and allow the, you allow the work to speak for itself. Right. You know? And this and, is why I think opera has such a great opportunity to move the needle, maybe even quicker than other businesses or other industries, because they have this thing called music, which is a cultural thing that resonates with so many, with everyone. Everyone loves music. Who doesn't love music, right? That's right. Um, and, you know, I think one thing that makes opera more accessible is just to define what it is. And we had this conversation while I was in L.A. too. Um, you'd be amazed at the kinds of music that's out there that actually would qualify as opera simply by its definition. So I want to ask you, Audrey, what is your definition of opera? Or what is the classic definition of opera? Well, I'll go with my definition mm -hmm. of opera. And so for me, opera is just, it's one of the highest forms of expression to me. Mm -hmm. um, of course, it's all about storytelling. You know, it's, um, it's storytelling gone to the 10th the degree, mm -hmm. you know. And so, um, and that's why, uh, just just a, a little pause there, that's why it's so important that opera reflects today's time and tells all stories, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so because of the beauty of the storytelling that's in opera, um, I believe opera has the power to, to actually touch more lives than it even realizes for itself. I looked up the definition after this conversation that we had in the boardroom that day, mm -hmm. because um, someone said, you know, I think people would be very surprised to find out that Hamilton is an opera. Mm. And it triggered something for me because I was like, you know, I love musicals. I love Broadway. I love show tunes, all that good stuff. So I start Googling <laughs> and mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, what's the difference between a musical and an opera? And mm -hmm. what I learned was that musicals, traditionally have talking parts too. So there's scripted speaking as well as music, but the opera is music all the way through. And that's Our son, where, right, right. right. And right. that's where Hamilton crossed over into the art form. But you know what? Mm -hmm. There are some, you know, if you, now that's up for, for discussion as well, okay. because then you have uh, uh, works like Porgy and Bess, that has, mm -hmm. a, you know, the original format has some speaking in there. You know, some uh, some companies and some productions, they cut that, you know. Um, but it's very interesting that you say that. So then is Porgy and Bess an opera or is it a musical? And that has all, always been up for debate. There are those who feel like it is one of the greatest American operas ever composed. Um, and then there are those who feel like, well, it's one of the greatest 
musicals ever composed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, it's interesting you say that because I think you were probably the first one to refer to it as an opera. When mm-hmm. my voice coach taught me portions of Porgy and Bess, and I believe she took the class to the music hall, yeah, in Fair mm-hmm. Park to see it, she referred mm-hmm. to it as a musical. She referred to it as a musical, mm-hmm. that's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so many people, they have different perspectives of it. Yeah. You know? um, and so uh, very interesting about that. But talking about opera, it has the unique... Uh, to me, it has such a unique opportunity in today's time to really reach out and branch out to a whole new demographic of people, you know, um, to reach beyond uh, the the opera house and um, through different measures, of course, uh, through um outreach programs, going into schools, that's always a wonderful thing. But there are always more things that you can do as well. Um, Going out into the community and going out into churches and um, just, uh, just doing different different things to reach out to people, you know, and letting people know that you care because it's more, it's more than just saying, I want to sell these tickets, but letting people know that you care about the community that you're in, you know, and people can recognize truth. And once they realize that uh, they can be reflected, I believe they will come. I think you're right, Audrey. I really do. And um, hopefully the work that I'm doing with Opera America will start to chip away at some of these exclusive feelings and um, even perceptions uh, that the opera now has. Yes, yes. I believe it will. Anything else you want to share with us? Anything we should know about that's coming down the pike? Oh, there's so much. There's so much always in the works. But I just want to say, please make sure you get your copy (laughs) of um, Joy to the World, A Christmas Celebration. Please make sure to get that. And and, uh, if you so choose on one of my social media sites, let me know how you feel about it. I would love to hear from you. And they can find you where on Twitter and Instagram? On Twitter, it is A-U-D and then Dubois-Harris, D-U-B-O-I-S-H-A-R-R-I-S on Twitter and everywhere else, Facebook, Instagram, and even on my website, it is Audrey Dubois-Harris, A-U-D-R-E-Y-D-U-B-O-I-S-H-A-R-R-I-S and for my website.com. Excellent. Audrey, congratulations on your project. It is phenomenal. I can't wait to listen to it over and over and over and over and over again. (laughs) And thanks again for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me and God bless you too. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Bye. All righty. It is always a joy to be on the line with Audrey Dubois-Harris. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Learned a little something too. But you know what? We're all the way to the moment that you've been waiting for. Who was the person who get the signed copy of Audrey's CD? Joy to the world. The winner is... 
Keisha Cote from Dallas, Texas. Keisha, drop me a note at info at culturesoup.com. Thank you so much for everyone who entered for the giveaway. And we'll have more like that coming up. Hey, listen, remember the 30minutementor.com? Yes, I've received several applications and I so appreciate it. I will begin reaching out to my cohort members in the next week or so after Christmas. And we'll get started. As 2018 wraps up and we're celebrating the holidays, no matter what you celebrate, whether it's Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever it might be, I want to thank each and every one of my listeners for tuning in each and every week and even for bonus episodes. You guys, I'm overwhelmed at how many people are listening and downloading on a weekly basis. And you know what? I committed to doing 52 weeks this year, so I will be with you year round. I hope you'll be with me for that journey and that you will tell a friend. Follow us at The Culture Soup, both on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, you can go online to theculturesoup.com where you can have the latest information on what's coming up next on episodes, any giveaways or contests or promotions, anything that we have going. And again, have a wonderful holiday. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communications.